Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a winning edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast, I should say, Marcus, and a road-winning edition. Uh, fifth of the season, second against the East. They're now 2-10 and ten against East teams on the road. Uh, entertaining win in D.C. and, like, weirdly important one. I mean, you did, like, I don't know, you were Always watching. Always is in D.C., right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did it feel... Big T? I mean, like, you don't want to say it's a big win because, look, they go just get slammed and bought. Nah, it was, it was, it was a big win. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely a big win. Uh, you could you could tell they were getting a little bit angry about it. it. It was slipping away. It felt like, here we go again. Draymond looked a little ticked off. And then uh, uh, they, they found another gear. So I think it was big for them. Uh, and they, they were they considered that big. Because you lose that game, and then you go into Boston, and then you know you possibly don't rest if you don't play a few guys for Cleveland. Like that could easily been a one and four trip, easily. Yeah, and two and three would not be considered a good road trip, but that feels a lot less disastrous than one and four, obviously. And you know you still one of these two, three and two, it's a good trip. Uh, so this was a big swing game, especially coming off the Chicago game. It just feels like they're at such a like pivotal point of the season. Like, are they going after this or not? You know, and this is one of those swing games. Um, and it didn't feel like they were responding well early. You just, you know, you're talking to people pregame, a lot of people in the organization, and you're like, you know, well, how do you feel about this one tonight? And there's a lot of like, I don't know. You know, and a lot of times people do have a good sense. Like, think we're going to be there tonight. Think this might be. Uh, you know, a lethargic type night, but there was like a you know, who knows with this team, and it I mean, just, that, that's how it's yeah. been, though, right? Like, the yeah. I know the things that used to be the barometers aren't the barometers anymore. Like, you know, Steph or Clay could drop 40, used to be automatic win. Now it's like <laughs> they could do it and lose just as easily, right? Uh, somebody asked what's up with the third quarters. Remember, third quarters used to be their thing. Nah. Minus two now. Minus two now in third quarters this season. It used to be they could flip a switch and decide, all right, we're going to play defense tonight. And it would, like, kind of shut the opponent down. But now I do feel like they're trying to do it, and the opponent still is. (laughs) The opponent still, like, kind of getting what it wants. So, like, it's just – it's really tough to tell, like, who – like, the things that used to be automatic are just not automatic anymore. The only thing that's kind of reliable right at this point is Draymond playing defense, and especially in a close game, and Steph being Steph. That's that's probably what you can bank on at this point. Everything else is up in the air. Yeah. 
I would uh, be remiss not to mention the entire thing I wrote about, which was this fan interaction. And I don't know how much like the TV caught it. I, I mean, I know all. obviously like, like you could see him talking, yeah. but you didn't know who he was talking to. There was this, a part where I think it was an inbounds or something. No, he he came out of the game and he, before he went to his seat, he was like yapping. At yeah, people. and this was Steph in the got first up time. for a second. Yeah, Steph got up for a second to be like, hey, kind of grabbing to come sit down. But he was clearly engaging with somebody. Yeah, that's when it started. But it was like all night. And he was like, he admitted it. Like, he did not have it tonight. He didn't think he was going to, you know, get to it tonight. I mean, I think he's, you know, to be honest, I think he's been very frustrated with the team-wide defense lately. Um, and just kind of the lack of consistent focus around him. Uh, he's played, obviously, now 13 straight games, pretty high minutes. He has no reinforcements behind him. They're not signing a 10-day big, and all the other bigs besides Looney are injured right now. And, you know, this was this was a very strange afternoon back-to-back, uh, and it just it wasn't there for him. And you can see his frustration, like I said, lethargy. And suddenly, you know, I, I think – you know how he always is like trying to find something to spark him. A lot of times it's referees. Well, right now he's not trying to get technicals. I think he's two away from a one game suspension. Okay, well maybe sometimes he yells at teammates. I, you know, especially with the thing that happened preseason, I think that card is is a little bit limited for him. Like you don't want to just be lighting teammates up on the regular on the sideline, especially when you're not playing that well and he wasn't in the first half. So he needed to find something to get him going, and it was clearly this fan. And it was like a big deal post game. Like everyone around the team and the organization, like really thought that was the reason for the win. Like it wasn't even like a joke because uh, apparently the 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 comment that really got him going. This guy kept saying like, "You really think you're going? You're a Hall of Famer? Like stop ever saying you're a Hall of Famer." And and as you know, like questioning what Draymond has meant historically to the dynasty. really burns him right like that's that cuts no question. him the question is was this a Warriors fan because it, it felt like it was a lot, no. a lot of Warriors fans there. no I was even that would have been a great play by Warriors fans to go in there on a, a lot of struggling and agitate Draymond to get him going posing as a well so visiting so it was or, or fan. I from what I heard it was definitely an authentic Wizards fan because and this is like kind of the sequence I wrote about uh you know, in, in the lead, but it was with about 90 seconds left. Draymond had made enough plays, including like this final dagger where he hustled in for an offensive rebound and tipped it out to Poole, who hit the three to go nine. It's like 90 seconds left. Timeout Wizards, game kind of over. Bob Myers and Mike Dunleavy walked down uh, the section, and they were right, they were probably like 15 rows above these fans he was yelling at. And Joe Lake was in the area, and all three kind of stopped by to talk to the fan. And, you know, basically be like, oh, yeah, tough one for you, man. What did you say? You know, like, and they were kind of like thanking him, like truthfully, like, you know, wow, you really you know, did something we really needed and got him going. And apparently Joe Lacob, uh, like, tried to offer to bring him to Boston and get him courtside in Boston. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, hey, you know, come come on and keep you. I don't, I don't think they'll need help in Boston. I think Boston, yeah, might right? have enough Boston, already. yeah, Boston's got a few similar, but um, you know, and it was kind of done in jest. But Myers was saying that, like, no, nah, the fan was like truthfully, like, really upset. Like, was really a Wizards fan. It was like, I'm not gonna, like, I'm, I'm mad at what happened. I wasn't just some like undercover Warriors fan having a good time here trying to get Draymond going. 
Um, but you, that whole side of the arena, and it was like it was a very Warriors, you know, heavy crowd. A lot of Steph fans. Steph's wife and mom were sitting maybe four rows behind these fans and kind of engaging back and forth. Steph even was in the fourth with the, with this guy, but it was it was mostly him and Draymond. And he that's what I that's kind of why I was asking earlier how much the TV caught of it because like it was like the story of that side of the arena like if you were there like you could like everyone was paying attention to these interactions um and it it really did honestly lit the fuse and you could tell post game like they they genuinely were like this is this is why we won tonight yeah nah it did it definitely didn't come off like that on tv not from our perspective i saw a little bit of it Draymond hit that second three and he you know he did his little three thing but it looked like he might have just been looking at the bench so it definitely didn't come across as the big deal. It sounds like it was, uh, and it's crazy considering their situation that it kind of took that. <laughs> I mean, that fan's not there. You telling me they they take an L that game? That's that's a wild thought when you think about it. But you know, I guess whatever it takes. Speaking of which, was that fan going after Jordan Poole too? Nah, I mean. He, nothing to yell at Jordan Poole about. He had 23 in the second quarter. That's what uh, I was wondering if he got yeah. JP going. I mean, uh, hey, Draymond had 11 and a four, four for four, four assists, two rebounds, a steal, like played, you know, 10 minutes. Like, whatever, whatever they did was that, that was, that was definitely vintage uh, Draymond, especially on offense. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned, well, let's get to Curry first, actually, because so what he scored 41, um, plays 38 minutes, takes 28 shots. Like to me, he finally like brought the necessary level of aggressiveness just as a score that he had in his, uh, you know, first few games back from the shoulder injury. He plays basically full, you know, 38 minutes. He played the entire first quarter. You know, Kerr really kind of rode him late in the first because he was hot. Um, he had some, Lowell's, I think he only ends up shooting 12 of 28, but he looks back to me and like they were talking about him breaking through a barrier post game physically. He's taking hits on the left shoulder. Uh, he uses left hand in Chicago to try to, you know, strip the ball a couple times, which just tells me he's not thinking about it at all. Um, you know, we'll see if he gets There was one play that looks kind of wild where he like tried to do it up and under and like they fell on him or something. And he had his like arm outstretched. I think he got, I don't think, no, he didn't get the foul call. He called a timeout, but that's where I was like, ooh, that's a little risky. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was Gafford fell on him. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds right. But, you know, he's wearing the sleeve, so you're kind of always find yourself thinking a little bit about the left arm because it's like, you know, he's, he's, he's wearing something visually that looks, that just reminds you of it all the time. Um, but he, he look, to me, looks good again and, like, you know, he is the type of player where, you know, you contrast this with Wiggins, who is a, you know, a well-conditioned athlete typically, but Wiggins is really struggling to rediscover his game. Came back a game before Curry, but he just, like, cannot seem to find it right now, where Curry, to me, it seems like he's on the fast track again to just, like, getting right back to who he is. Yeah, you could tell Curry's been through this before and Wiggins hasn't. Uh, it, there, was a, there was a weird play where Wiggins – Catches the ball in the corner, like pump fakes out of the, uh, you know, you know the closeout, and it's like Porzingis under the rim, 
and I was just like, is he going to – I thought he was going to go try to dunk it to get himself going. But he kind of, like, jumps. He doesn't even, like, try to draw a foul. He try to get the two. He kicks it out to Dante DiVincenzo for, like, a three, and Dante missed it. And he was just doing a lot of that, of, like, getting inside the paint, like, at the rim. And clearly he doesn't feel well enough or something to – like do what Wiggins would do, right? Like he, he he seems like he's more comfortable just taking the jumpers. He had a lot of step backs. Yeah, he he just clearly isn't there yet. Uh, and and I thought the end of that Phoenix game might have been the wake up for him, but like there's there's something there's just something up with his legs. Like that's just not allowing him to be able to feel himself because a lot of kickouts. I mean. I think he made like three shots in the paint, took six, six, six shots in the paint, but he was just fine taking jumpers, mostly jumpers. Uh, he hit them though, so you can't really be mad at that. But the three ball just wasn't falling. I, I yeah. feel like it's important that, like, he's vital, man. Like, it's really tough for them to win with. Yeah, I mean, he's Andrew Wiggins, man. Like that, it, it's almost it's not impossible, but if, if they're not playing a bad team. They probably lose almost ninety percent of the times if Wiggins not playing well, just because yeah. he's that important. I think the offense really like kind of drives his entire game because say what you want, like obviously he's become like this like you know supercharged three and D wing when he's at his best that really in a lot of ways impacts the game defensively more than offensively, and I think has enjoyed the reputational boost he's taken on the defensive end, and you know you could. Especially if he didn't get hurt, you know, he, you could have seen him being like an all-defense second-team type guy this season. Um, but at his core, he's a scorer. He's twenty points per game as a rookie. He's like, you know, Maple Jordan growing up, and like I think a lot of his basketball identity is built in the idea of like I score. So I think just when his shot is as off as it is right now, it's tough for him to like generate confidence on even on the defensive end and I know in the Phoenix game that you're talking about he did start to really pressure full court and say hey if the offense isn't there I'm gonna go attack rebounds and I'm gonna you know pick up full court and like just impact the game without doing it as a score but over the course of five six seven games I just think it's hard for him if he if he's sitting there like going into the game like I just cannot find my shot for the the part that's surprising though is that he's so reliant on the shot but I think Wiggins is like, like you say, a scorer, and he he never just rely on hitting jumpers. I mean, he's averaging seven point seven twos a game, which is by far the career low. I mean, it's steadily gone down as he got to the Warriors. Like all they're taking is threes, and I know I don't. That's, I mean, that's you. all he does. Like that's all like, they do. I mean, at his peak, he he was double figure twos a game, like. Even like his best year in Minnesota, where he made All Star, like he got up six threes, you know, five or six threes a game, and still got up double digit twos. And obviously, he was more central to the offense, but it just feels like he can do it another way. And and it's probably I wouldn't be surprised if the fact that he's not making free throws is is an issue with that. Like he's not pressing the issue, getting to his spots. Like we haven't seen him on the block. Right, we haven't seen him taking a guy he thinks he can beat off the dribble pretty often. If he does, he's kicking it out. So that's the surprising part to me. He just become like incredibly reliant on his outside shot, but that's just not 
like he was a bucket getter. So it, it's a little bit weird. But I also think he might be suffering from the fact that they just don't have a big. Uh, you know, they end up having to play a lot of time small ball centers. I mean, I mean, Looney's technically a small ball center, but you know, but when they go Draymond at the five, I mean, like we, they don't have Otto Porter, they don't have Bielita, Kaminga's out. So Wiggins is the four, and he's playing big. And if he don't have his legs, then it's tough for him to, like, find some energy. Like, it's like it's hard for him to have to be down to four. I feel like that game changed for him in Phoenix when he started pressuring the ball out top. But he's having to play this four for, like, probably longer than he should right now because they just don't have any big. So he's got to be a big. And I wonder what kind of toll that might be taking on him. Yeah, for sure. Um, encouraging night for Poole. You know, uh, Steve Kerr had an interesting comment post game. He was kind of asked about Poole's offense. You know, he scored 20, like I said, 23 in the second quarter, 32 on like 12 of 20 shooting, very efficient night. Um, but he pointed, like, immediately flipped it. It was like, I thought it was a really good defensive game from him. And mentioned how good he said Poole grades out in their system as a pick and roll defender if he's engaged. Like on the yeah. nights that Poole like is trying, they're like he's a he said, you know, we have him metric wise as a very good pick and roll defender. I just thought that was like interesting, not only as just like a nugget, but for him to immediately bring up uh post game. A little probably how much of that is gas? Like if we say good things about him, then you know, it'll be a self fulfilling. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like what they do with Wiseman, right? It's like, yeah, we know you scored thirty in Brooklyn in a meaningless game, but the game you scored zero points and had like three verticality challenges at the rim in eight great defensive minutes is the best game of your career. It's a little bit like that. (laughs) It could be good. Yeah, I mean. But he, in many ways, is like Wiggins, right? Like he needs he needs a shot to be falling. He needs to be feeling good about how he's scoring in order to be engaged. He get you can see him get frustrated out there, you know, start like deaf staring the refs, <laughs> like like he can get out of sorts a bit, and then there here comes the foul, or when he doesn't get the foul call, he's fouled. So I feel like if his three ball is falling. If he's getting buckets, then that triggers his D. I think he's one of those players that you just kind of got to you gotta start the games figuring out how to get him an easy look. And the same way you do Clay, right? You want to get Clay a quick, easy look so he can feel good. Like, figure out a way to, for Poole to get that matchup on the big so he can get to the rim or take the mid-range because he missed his first couple shots. Then he goes into passive mode. He don't want to turn it over. He ends up turning over anyway. He don't trust his three, so he starts, you know, not taking a shot. He did that. Was that tonight? That was his tonight, right? Where he like had an open look, didn't pass it or didn't take it. Tried to pass it. They covered that up, and he ended up getting stuck and just like turning it over, trying to pass it out, and got deflected. Like he gets like that when he don't trust the shot. He wants to like, all right, I'm gonna move the ball. I think it was one of his turnovers was where he does the thing where he's like, all right, I don't have the shot. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to take it. So let me just move the ball. And he did and made the predictable pass back to the top and they jumped on it. So I I do feel like Steve should be like, let's get, let's get George some easy looks. Let's get George going. Because bottom line is they need him. Like they need him to get, to create offense, to score, 
They they just need him. Their defense is not going to be good enough to only rely on two scores. Like they need a third one, or they need the two scores to be huge, like tonight. But ideally, if if you got Steph and Clay, you need Poole, you need Wiggins, because they're giving up one twenty later, so they got to score one thirty. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight, Draymond built him out, but <laughs> one twenty is a good night for the defense. Yeah, one twenty is a good night. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that means they got to get one twenty. You know, forty a quarter. No, no, thirty a quarter, uh, which ain't the easiest thing for them to do sometimes. So I just feel like knowing that he plays like that, man, get him some like gear some offense toward him, like run some sets, but don't run for the three like that. That's what they're going to do, so I don't even know why I said that. It's going to be a split action to get a three. That's what they do. That's the offense now, Slater. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. What's your take on Anthony Lamb right now? Um, he he was a plus thirty six. Unbelievable! Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? <laughs> um, and he has had huge games recently. I mean, remember the Pistons game at home? He has twenty two in the first half, finishes with twenty six. Uh, he's shooting like 43 percent from three at this point. Uh, like when he lines up at three, you feel like really good about it. He's doing more off the dribble stuff. He's like almost overly aggressive offensively not almost not yeah, almost. Right. but you know i mean we talk about like somebody on the team needing to get two suddenly he's like one of their key creators at the rim <laughs> um I, th- I mean he is doing a lot of stuff offensively that they need now he was kind of billed as like this rugged you know like thicker like four could almost like small ball five next to draymond type that uh, in some ways would fill the auto porter type role, but he's not the rebounder auto porter was. And he's, you know, a young player, much younger than auto porter um, from an NBA experience standpoint, for sure. And he's just making more mistakes. Even Draymond tonight, Joe, you know, he, he took the charge that they had, it was, it ended up being a very big challenge and overturn to a charge. Um, but Draymond was kind of like, you know, getting on him for don't leave the, you know, uh, the, the short corner next to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he did that in Chicago. He he crashed into Derrick Jones shooting a three pointer in Chicago. He he made several defensive mistakes, and and he's that's been somewhat common lately. I think it's been part of their defensive struggles because you know he's what he he played twenty five minutes tonight, twenty two, twenty four, thirty three in a game recently. Like he is a heavy usage rotation player now. Um, just I mean, what do you think? Like the plus thirty six tonight was like eye popping. Where are you yeah, at? On he's. I, I, I'm. I'm of the mind he plays too much. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, tonight's like games like this. You know, you got to ride with him. Like the part that he has is the audacity that it feels like the rest of them don't have. Like you don't really see him driving to the rim and then kicking it back out for the three, especially if he's got to look. Like he's he's thirsty. He's looking for the bucket. So, I mean, I, I do think that's a bit necessary for them, especially until Wiggins finds his form. He, I mean, he's he's essentially become like what Wiggins gives you. 
You know, if, if he's just not as good at it. I feel like he makes a lot of mistakes defensively. I feel like he's too shot thirsty. And, like, at, at certain points, uh, the talent is just a bit over his head. So it's like, all right, there are moments where it's like, okay, this guy's a two-way guy. Which, you know, it's fine when you're playing Washington and Chicago, but, you know, like, when he starts getting against some of the, you know, the top-tier talent, you're like, all right, this is why he wasn't on the roster. But I think that's just a bit of overexposure. Like, he's playing a lot. So to me, as long as he's playing a lot, it just means they're not really clicking yet. I, I really, I would be shocked if he's playing, like, major playoff minutes. Like, that's almost like... <laughs> A white flag. <laughs> I mean, it just means like, where is he playing? If people are playing well, uh, he's do he's he's getting these looks, these opportunities because people aren't playing well. But he makes he make he makes open threes. Uh, he will get downhill, and he will take a charge, which you know is is, is just all necessary. Like Porzingis was was rolling, and he kept fouling. Like, that's the other thing. He he makes a lot of silly fouls. So it's just like, all right, for the rest of the guys, you kind of get it. You know, he makes the same mistake everybody else makes, but it's like, all right, dude, you on the two-way. You got to chill. But at this point, he's providing the stuff that some of these other guys are not. So he gets a lot of rope. I still would like to see Moody because I feel like talent-wise, Moody will be there and Kaminga will be there. Like when it's talent versus talent and when you're in the playoffs against Memphis, like you got to deal with Jaron Jackson. Like I don't know. I, I don't know if I want that guy playing too much in that situation. But I would assume part, he'd be good. I would assume Kaminga would be ahead of him in the pecking order, but just Kaminga's hurt. I mean, right now. we do we know that though? No, we don't. We don't. He but Kaminga, yeah, but Kaminga had like carved out a pretty good rotation role. But, you know, but he's once he gets back, it's going to be easing him back in and, like, having to re-earn trust and all that, getting a rhythm back. So, um, yeah. You know, we're having a lot of, like, questions um, about the trade deadline, you know, which is obviously like we're a hot right? topic that we'll probably... Yeah, yeah, that we'll talk about plenty over the next few weeks. Um, I would just... We don't need to get too deep into it. Maybe we will on the Plus Minus podcast this week. I'm going to have to write about it, you know. At some point uh, soon, uh, I would just say from my conversations, like don't expect a very active trade deadline for the Warriors. I don't know. Don't man. expect Chris Maddox said they're going to be aggressive. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, would, I don't. I just. I wonder about it though. I mean, we we both know why you say that, right? But. Uh, he got a few more games where things. I mean, if you just start looking at the schedule, like it, it, I it, don't, it, I don't. I'll just say this: even if they are still, let's say, at February 9th sitting two games under five hundred, let's say, I still don't sense some like, you know, you know, frothy urgency that like must fix the holes of this team. I just don't like, you know, I don't. I think I think there's somewhat of a handcuff here with the financials and the fact that you know not wanting to add future money and like you know we all know the the luxury tax uh, situation they're dealing with, and, and, but also they they are have not and don't seem to be an organization that wants to mortgage future assets. And I'm uh, obviously I'm talking Wiseman, Moody, Kaminga, but I'm also talking first round pick 
this upcoming season, future first round picks, like they're not going Rudy Gobert hunting and, and throwing everything on the table. But I mean, I think it's difficult for, you know, they, they owe one future first to Memphis. Like I don't even necessarily see them wanting to use like future first, like maybe something happens, but I just personally don't see something materializing. That's, that's going to be, you know, huge. Now, maybe you're talking about an eighth, ninth, 10th man type upgrade on a, on a bargain type deal. Honestly, buyout market to me, like they profile as a very appealing buyout market team for, for obvious reasons. Um, but how so are like, they've got to find like, why somebody to make, no, like how would they do it? Are they cutting, they're not putting lamb on the roster? Like whoever it is, you got to get somebody who Steve well, will feel better about more I than think, lamb. I think Jermichael Green is, is a name to watch over the next, you know, several weeks. I remember a couple of years ago, really, again, the season that I've compared, um, this this one too is the season from a couple of years ago when they were hovering around 500 and you know people were really like you know go make upgrades and all that at the deadline and all, what did they do at the deadline they traded Marquise Chris into San Antonio space and they traded Brad Wanamaker into Charlotte space yeah. and, and that was to clear two roster spots and with those cleared roster spots they saved tax and then they tried a bunch of guys at the end of the roster end of the year jta gets a roster spot that year remember he was big in the 15 and 5 finish and then gary payton the second was actually brought in uh and eventually latched on through that yeah but uh, they weren't like contenders i mean i guess you can say they are now but i'm just saying like that season profiles much like this season and to me this season they seem to be operating similarly. Um, so yeah. the other my, thing my is, my curiosity they w- will be. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No. 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 Go ahead. My 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 curiosity would be is like if they go, you know, they've got like Celtics, Cavs, Nets, Grizzlies, Raptors at Thunder, at Timberwolves, at Nuggets, Dallas, Oklahoma City at Portland. I mean, if you just look at the next ten games. Before, no, how many is that? Yeah, at Portland. How many is that before the break? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games before the trade deadline. Like, if they're three and eight in those games and five games under 500, I just wonder if that changes the urgency. I wonder if that makes these superstars like go in there and say something and start demanding stuff. I wonder if that makes the head coach go in there and do it, right? And, and I think you're right, 1,000% now. Like, they're just not trading. I don't see them trading the assets they want. I don't see them giving up picks. But <laughs> I think a lot – I just wonder what happens if – maybe if they if they, if they they go 3-8 and eight and are 5 games under 500, that's emphasis to not shift things and say, hey, this team ain't winning the title anyway, so why are you tripping? But I, yeah. I just wonder at what point do stars come out and say something, you know, what mm-hmm. what would what would a Draymond podcast do for the matter? What would Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, like can they can they convince anybody? or convince the higher-ups to do something. And then also, here's the other thing, like, I think it's a factor. If a good deal comes up, if something like a no-brainer comes up, I think that I think that helps a lot, too. 
where it's like some guys come available you just didn't know. <laughs> I mean, if if the if the Raptors do a fire sale, <laughs> you know, you take one of them guys, man. Like, so to me, like there there's a few factors. But that when might you say that, things. like, but yeah. when you say like, you know, okay, Pascal Siakam's their best player. Like, we all know they're not putting together a package to get Pascal Siakam. They're not committing to that long term type money. They're not they're not going to flood the assets to get Siakam that would be necessary because obviously he would be a sought after player. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, so then who are we talking? OG Ananobi? I'd probably say the same thing. It's a little lesser scale. But just, Chua, like, like they got, they got some dudes. Oh, they, yeah, they some have dudes. some dudes. That's for sure. Like, I, I, I like, mean, to me, the, the level of player that we, that to me is like the high end of, of who I could see is like, you know, a Kelly Olenek type would seem to profile. Hey, you know, slot him in. Eighth man, ninth man, you know, basically taking over the Jim Michael Green slot when everybody's healthy. Um, and, you know, he's upgrade shooting, like kind of tough, like playoff experience, uh, expiring contract. So it doesn't cost money next season, which I think is a big deal. Um, but also then like, OK, are they the type of franchise that has shown? Sure, we will trade a, you know, let's say this season's first round pick, which is going to be 21st overall or something like that for Kelly Olenek. Um do you think that that that's something that they would want to do? I mean, yeah, for, I mean and I'm I talking about that's... two months of Kelly Olynyk, and this is just like theoretical. I don't think they'll trade a pick for, but I don't think they'll I don't think they'll trade a well, they might trade a late first pick. I mean, that would put them out of two draft. No, they can they do it because the 23, 24 they don't have right Memphis, or is it this year they don't have their pick? Is, no, it's it's next year they have their pick this year. It's well, twenty. Right? You can't trade two. You can't have two in a row. Yeah, that's, well, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, we're just like kind of like thinking of hypotheticals. I'm just saying, I just would it. Oh, again, I didn't want to get into this deeper conversation about it. I just say I, I just don't expect some. Like to me, this season is not going to be saved at the deadline. This season is going to either be saved. Mostly by just like the dudes on the team now, or just just not going to be saved. And if or and if is there is there a scenario where you can't you maybe don't save this season, but you can gear up for next season. You can get one of those guys. You can put in like Wiggins, where it ain't for this year, but he's under contract. We might have to give up some assets to do it. And now we got a guy who may First help all, us this year, but might not. Wiggins can't be traded because he signed. No, up. no, I'm saying remember like Wiggins, right? Remember oh, oh yeah, Wiggins. yeah. yeah. For the year, but it wasn't for that year. It was for like this guy's yeah. gonna fit what we do for sure. But but to me, then you're then you have to get off money now or in the, you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, we yeah. already know the type of like oh, money yeah. crunch we're talking. So then we we're talking about like there's got to be big money pieces moved. Obviously, one of those to look at is Wiseman. Sure, I mean you know I, packages that include him um, is probably the again I, I mentioned the Olympic thing earlier. You got to send salary away and like. Wiseman's matches that, and again, that's would they be willing to to, in a lot of ways, throw pride away and uh, give on give up on that for for two months of a backup center? I don't know that the answer to that is yes. I mean, so. I don't I don't think it's yes right now. I just wonder if some things might change that. Like if they go eight and three over this next eleven, and they sit pretty. Does that mean hey? Let's get these guys some uh some reinforcements for the playoff run, or is it like, see y'all good? <laughs> Two timeline working. Like which which way you think they go? 
which way do I think they go? Yeah. I don't think much is happening. Win it, win it, win it, win it or lose it, they ain't gonna do anything. <laughs> like that's what it is. I, I yes. just hey, I wonder, I wonder what the patience of the superstars are. That I mean, that's my biggest curiosity. Steve and the superstars. Like, yeah. If they start chirping, you know, does that change things? That's what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been like um, subtle comments, like you know, Steve's really talked about like their lack of like big man death recently. You know, that's that's been spotlighted, but yeah, there's obviously has not been any thumping of the table. But again, Marcus, we're getting way too deep into discussions. I didn't think we were going to on this particular podcast. Um, uh, so I think because I think we're supposed to do a plus minus maybe Wednesday. I don't want to promise anything, but I'm, I'm glad we got we got it all 82 out and, and we will wrap the conversation. Man, Wednesday is two days away, man. All kind of stuff might happen then. Between now and then, we'll, we'll be good. We will be good. Yeah. Oh, well, they're going to the White House tomorrow. Are you going? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going. I've never been. Me neither. Oh, enjoy <sighs> that. Fun, man. Enjoy. You should uh, give me like a souvenir or something. Souvenir. Oh, I'm sure I'll get that. I wanted to. Bro, I wanted sure, to talk to you about sure. Looney. At what point does uh do do you make Looney take a rest? There were stretches of this game where he just looked like all right. Is the stretches include when Kristaps Porzingis just threw his yes. shot into the first row? Yeah, I saw. Yeah, I, I mean, saw he, there 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 have just been a lot of moments lately where he just was ineffective on the court, and you wonder if it's hey, this is matchup issues. This you know, these people pose a particular problem. Or is it like he's been playing seven thousand straight games and he probably needs to rest? I was just, but then he kind of, you know, he was part of, the, you know, he rallied like they helped, they held KP down, like the inside. They kind of turned off the spigot on that, so it just, I was, just, I was like, man, Low, man, Low was the rock, and you know, he was having a a rough go early on, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say. I would say. Uh, well, they got two days off before the Boston game. So You give them a shot in that game? So no Jalen Brown. Uh, two days off, which I think is important. Um, so, yes, Tatum I do. They also have this, like, yeah, Tatum went for 51 against the Hornets. You know, like, Tatum might go for 50, but I got to see it against the Warriors because – They've At some been point, you gotta tonight. have a big game, right? At some point, you figure, all right, he's gonna, he's gonna figure it out. Yeah, I mean, he struggled against them last time with no Wiggins, you know, and it's it's kind of a diminished or you know rusty version of Wiggins that that'll presumably be there Thursday, but he's back. Um, you know, look, Celtics are gonna be favored. Crowd is gonna be fired up. Warriors are struggling. Uh, you know, they're kind of in a weird spot, but. You know, we mentioned the the need for motivation for the Warriors and the fact that, okay, Draymond Green has a playoff-level spark suddenly in the fourth quarter tonight, and he looks good again. I don't think the spark will be a problem against Boston. So, I actually, I would say this. I'm not saying I would probably pick them to lose both the next two, but if you told me they are going to win one of the Celtics or Cavaliers games, I would pick pick the Celtics game. Celtics for sure. All right, Marcus, we will uh, we'll talk 
probably after one of those two games. All right. Have a good one. Be safe out there. Enjoy the White House. All right. Later.